Hey guys, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we know it can be tricky to talk to your kids about their deepest, darkest fears. But we also know it's one of the most rewarding parts of being a parent. Well, we're working on a book right now that'll include real tips from real parents on how to calm your kids down when they are freaked out. The book is called Weird Parenting Wins, and we need to hear some wins on managing fears with kids of all ages, especially kids who are like out of the baby stage. So we're talking fear of things like animals, trying new things like swimming, and also the really rough stuff like death and violence and racism. We want to know all the ways that you have helped your kids through these things, especially if it was a strategy that you made up yourself. So here's how you submit your win. Go to weirdparentingwins.com and fill out the form. It's that easy. Weirdparentingwins.com. And thanks. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank, and I'm here with my husband, Jonathan, who has never been on this show before. It's been seven years. He's never been on the show. <laughs> kind of can't believe that. Can you? No, no. I feel like you forgot to pull me out of the box. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> You've been stuck in the box all this time. Well, today... <laughs> I'm going to be pulling my husband out of a box, apparently. And Johnny, me and you, we had our first and only kid back in 2010. That's right. I remember. It was actually just a little bit before I started the show. And back then, it was really hard to imagine what kind of a person our baby would be. You know, I I think that we just assumed that she'd be kind of a wallflower like both of us, make a lot of stupid puns. But it turns out that some of the similarities are downright spooky. And so in honor of Halloween, Johnny, you and I are going to talk about how eerie that can be. And also the freaky ways that she is not at all what we expected. Okay, I'm actually really scared. Let's do it. Okay, I'm going to play you something, all right? Okay. It is June 3rd, 2016, and what are you about to do? I'm write a spooky story. Okay, do it. First, there was a witch. She was mean. She got spelled by a good witch, and she lived happily ever after. Spelled. It's so spooky. So who is that? That was our daughter, Sasha. All right, now I'm going to play you something else. Okay. Do you know who that was? Is that you? That's me in 1982. 
just about the age that Sasha is now. How have I never heard that before? (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't I play that masterpiece for you before? Yeah, you also sound like her. That's really creepy. I sound like her with a Brooklyn accent all around. It's weird. I've never heard you side by side. I've thought before that she looks like you with my voice. Wow. It's like a, it's a Frankenstein monster. That's pretty disturbing. <laughs> so what do you think of the fact that Sasha and I, at the same age, made up spooky songs about witches that had special, like, ominous mood music? I guess she's yours. There's proof. Isn't it creepy? Yeah. Your song's happier. Um. <laughs> I, although, uh, I thought at the time it was very dark to, to put down the damper pedal. Mm. Yeah, I can see. that. That's incredibly disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. And you never told her about that, right? No, never. Do you, have Has she done anything... Ever that you've been like, whoa, she is replicating my childhood. No, no, she's not like me at all. What were you like as a kid, her age, seven? Um, I wanted everything to be perfect when I when I was playing with my toys, and other kids would screw things up. I, I mean, kids would come to the door and knock on the door and ask my mom if I could play. And I'd be like in the background telling her, tell them I can't play. Tell them maybe another time. Because <laughs> they would like mess up your action figures or something. Yeah. Not tell the story I wanted to tell. Kids who just like to bang cars together and stuff. Sounds like something Sasha would like to do. <laughs> I, know. I know. I was also a kid who, uh, like by the time my parents were home and, and we were all sitting down for dinner, I would have been showered and in a robe by five o'clock in Southern California. That's a pretty creepy image when you think about it. <laughs> Little boy in a robe. <laughs> this did take a creepy turn. So, you know, there, there's like a lot about your kid that, that you can't possibly see coming and, and takes you by surprise. Um, one of those things for me has been her taste in TV. So, so that's Caillou, of course. Most parents will will recognize. Um, we we should set up for people who don't know who Caillou is. What what this show is? Do you want me to go like full bore on what Caillou is? Do it. Caillou is a, a series that I think is is uh, from Canada. He's maybe four years old, but he looks like a baby. He has no hair, so it's really hard to tell exactly how old he is. And then the whole thing is supposed to take place as a story within a story, kind of like the way Princess Bride is. You know, I think the whole thing is like a grandmother telling the adventures of Caillou to her kids. Was in a very bad mood because he wasn't going to the circus. 
And the worst part, though, is Caillou's voice. The voice is awful. It's awful. No, no, it's today. <laughs> I got all dressed. <laughs> like, children's voices are nice. Like, I've never heard a child be more annoying than Caillou. Super whiny. He throws tantrums all the time. You know, I've, I've seen a bunch of Caillou episodes with Sasha, uh, like on weekend mornings. And there was one where he, he gets sick and he loses his voice. <laughs> the grandma's voiceover is like, Caillou couldn't talk because he got laryngitis and lost his voice. But he found he couldn't talk. And I was like, yes, <laughs> this is my favorite one. They should, Yeah, they should have included that in, in, in grandma's voiceover. Thank goodness, Caillou lost his voice. <laughs> I've never been so happy. <laughs> she is almost eight years old. I did not expect her to like Caillou this long. I know. It's so bad. It's so awful. And it's so, uh, it's so babyish. Um, Ooh, you're judging your baby. I am. I am. She's, she's past the point where, like, where, I mean, this TV show is not made for her. It's made for, for kids that are younger. And yeah. Caillou, Caillou's in uh, preschool. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that kind of worries me is that she came home from school the other day and and she said kids were making fun of her because they said Caillou's a baby show. And she was like, I like Caillou. And like, like I wonder if she's going to get ostracized because she likes a baby show. I, just, I, I worry it's like boring and dulling, you know, like she's watching the TV equivalent of Ambien. Like we want, we want her to not be boring. Yeah, like a boring little whiner. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want her to be stimulated. I want her to be like, like excited. So you did what any dad would do, and you sat down with her with a microphone and grilled her on why she likes Caillou. Yeah, and I got some answers. <laughs> All right, let's hear them. Do you know that a lot of grown-ups don't like Caillou? Why? A lot of grown-ups think he's kind of whiny. He isn't. You don't think he's whiny? No. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I think he has a, he's got this really high voice and Sometimes he throws tantrums and stuff. Not that much tantrums, like, oh, <laughs> I, I, I can't help it. That's not what he does. Uh, Miha, can you tell me why you like Caillou? Um, he's a kid like me. What? How is he like you? Because he's a regular kid. And he plays with his toys, and he likes to have playdates with his best friend, like me. He has playdates with his best friend on the show? Best friends, uh, like Leo and Clementine. I see. 
So you like him just because he's he's just a regular kid. Like me. Because there's a lot of shows that are about kids that are extra special. They have powers or they're animals or something, you know, right? Like the PJ Masks, um, the kids in the nighttime, they save the day from the bad guys. So Shimmer and Shine. Uh, and stuff. And maybe some of the Blaze and the Monster Machines. Carve up those robo-pumpkins! But is there something special about Caillou? Because he's normal? Yeah. And he just likes to be silly and eat stuff. And and he sometimes he has problems and he solves it. Like one time... Leo hurt his foot, and he brought cookies to his house for him. And they played while um while Leo was sitting down. I guess Dora the Explorer. She she's a normal kid. Mm, yeah, but she has a friend Boots, and Boots is a monkey who talks. So that's not real. Oh, and they have a map who talks. And a backpack too, who talks, and then the mountain, um. There's a mountain and it has a face on it. So that's not very realistic. <laughs> no. So what do you think now? What do you think now that you've heard her reasoning for why she likes Caillou? I mean, I I think it's really sweet. I, it had never occurred to me before talking to her that there's no other shows that she's watching that just have regular people. I mean, can you imagine if like every time we turned on the TV to watch something... All there was was like the X-Men and the mask. <laughs> Why did that one come to mind? Westworld. Westworld. Like if there were just no normal people. Are there any ones where people are animals? Any like grown-up things where people are animals? Cats. <laughs> Cats. Like imagine if all programming was like that. I don't know. It, it, like I still think Kai is really annoying, but like I think I do have a newfound appreciation for him. Like you want to see your own life reflected in television. Yeah. In art. Yeah. Uh, So it sort of makes her seem like more sophisticated. Yes. 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 Our seven-year-old's way of being sophisticated. I'm just uh, stunned that she was able to articulate all of that. I was surprised too. I thought thought you were going to ask her and she was going to be like, because I do. I like it because I do. I know. Why are you asking? I thought she would say that. Why are you asking? She went there immediately. She knew right away why she liked it. Yeah. Our Our kid is surprising us. Yeah. Well, Johnny, when we come back, a scary vision of what we might have in store for us long after Sasha outgrows her Caillou stage. We might wind up actually yearning for Caillou. Never. (laughs) Stay with us. Say advertisement. Advertisement. Good job. We are back, and I'm here with my husband, Jonathan. So, Jonathan, uh, you and I live in this town called Montclair in New Jersey. 
And it's like pretty picturesque and neighborly. Like, like we live down the block from the old police chief and every December a van full of cops show up outside his house with one of them dressed as Santa. And what do they do? They sing carols and uh, hand out toys. Like it's just, it almost feels like out of a movie. So anyway, in this nice little town, um, a couple of years ago, I heard this horror story from a friend um, who had a kid in high school. Something that happened with the teenagers in our town that just felt like completely unreal. And I needed to find out more. So I ended up asking around and reporting a story that aired on This American Life, where you work. Yeah. All right, so let's hear that story. There's this kid in my town. We'll call him Ben. A few years ago, Ben was starting high school and he turned 15. He asked his parents if he could throw a party. They said yes, but if we see any alcohol, we're shutting it down. Ben's like, fine. The day of the party, he takes a walk with his five closest guy friends. They're sort of his planning committee. They tell him they're going to text invites to like 30 people, mostly their other geeky guy friends. Also, the friends tell him, we're going to invite some popular girls. They were basically like, you'll be the man for a week if you do this. They all go back to Ben's house, and the popular girls, they're actually the first to show up. And then, half an hour in, I make the biggest mistake of my life up to this point when one of the girls, one of the popular quote-unquote girls, asked me what my address was. And in my mind, in my freshman mind, they were getting picked up. They were already getting picked up like they were telling their parents to come get them because that's what asking for an address meant to me at this time. Like, completely innocent thing. Four or five more girls ask for Ben's address. Of course, these kids are not calling their rides. They're texting his address to all their friends. So the party slowly starts growing. And then a bunch of older kids show up. Then Ben hears banging outside on his garage door. Suddenly, there's a bunch of upperclassmen everywhere. They were coming up from behind in the flanks and, like, the front. And people were, like, looking in the bushes and, like, crawling to all the different windows, like, looking in, seeing who's in there. I'd say about half of them are people I know. But it's the people I know that I would never want them to come. And it's kids that bullied me in middle school and elementary school. And they're, like... They're calling people inside, trying to, you know, get in through the back. This thing that was happening to Ben, it's straight out of every memorable teen party movie. His little birthday celebration was crashed. But what was happening here is different from those movies in one key way. A way that seems to be specific to my town and towns nearby. Upperclassmen conspire to target freshman parties, freshmen like Ben. And at these parties, the parents are home. The older kids, though, they are not deterred by parents. Parents can be yelling at them to get off their lawn, and the kids will pretend to go. But really, they are sneaking in around back. And once they get in, they tell the younger kids, this is our party now. This is so common in my town that parents are calling it parasiting. They try to deal with it themselves. They try not to call the cops. They don't want their kids to be humiliated, but it can get overwhelming. 
One mom I talked to got a call from a friend while this was going on at her house. The friend warned her, they'll find a way around you. You can't stop them. It's like a military raid. It's like D-Day. It's like any sort of multifaceted attack where the base is just completely up for grabs and it's anything goes and all morals are just thrown out the window completely. The party has more than doubled in size. There are now 70 kids at Ben's house. His mom's on the lawn, calling out kids by name and threatening to tell their parents that they were here. His dad is getting into it with some kid who's trying to push his way inside the house. Ben looks around. He's surrounded by strangers, older strangers. They're chugging beer. They're on their phones explaining to their friends the best method of breaking into the house. Ben's standing right next to them as they're doing this. Someone turns up the music and a corner of the basement suddenly becomes a dance floor. The toilet is full of beer cans. There's this girl who's chugging something. I don't remember. And I told her, can you please not do this? And she looked at me and in the most rude, sarcastic voice said to me, like, thanks for the hospitality and turned around and just like trudged back in a different direction. After about an hour, kids started calling their friends, telling them to not bother coming in. This party was lame. And as quickly as they came, they left. I was freaking out the entire time. I was, I'm still freaking out about it, just thinking about it. It was horrible. It was pretty scarring. For the rest of Ben's freshman year, he was terrified of older kids. He'd go to parties, but he hated when they'd get blown up. He hated when the older kids would take their control away. But Ben grew up. He's a senior now. And he says, Somewhere between sophomore and junior year, I just decided I was completely comfortable with showing up with my friends to random people's houses and treating them with the same lack of respect that I was treated with when I was in ninth grade, because that's what you do. He started getting those texts saying, there's a party happening at so-and-so's house. Let's blow it up. He started getting invited more and more, till eventually the text would just be an address, nothing else. But he'd know what it meant. This sound comes from a video that Ben sent me that one of his friends shot at a party. All the yo's and look at that. Like, it's all just like, you're kind of in awe of where you've ended up in that moment. That's that kid from my biology class. Like, oh my God, come over here. That's one of the things Ben told me he loves about crashing freshman parties. You never know who's going to show up. It's like nobody's invited, so everybody's invited. Also, it's super convenient. There's always a party because you don't have to wait for your friend's parents to go out of town. And Ben says it's thrilling what it takes to get into the house, the black ops, getting intel from your friends inside about which entryways are guarded and which are clear. But yes, it is like a stealth mission a lot of the times, seeking out like which route is the most efficient form of entry. Next time, maybe I'll like bring a notepad and like sketch out my ideas or like draw a blueprint of the house because that's basically what we're doing. And it feels okay to you, even though that happened to you when you were a freshman. Well, let me put it this way, and this is kind of like not the best mentality, but like if I don't show up, nothing is going to change. So I'm going to show up like everyone else because me not going isn't going to stop anything from happening. Well, in reality, like, 
I never pictured myself as one of those kids. Like we would always be like, wow, those kids are such jerks. Like we'll never be like them. But once you're older, you just, your mindset turns into, I am one of the older kids. Like I have power over the younger kids. And that is a new form of intimidation. Ben spent two hours at my house, sitting on my couch, answering my questions. It all seemed to be getting a little too real for him. He was struggling to make sense of the boy he'd been and the man he'd become. By the end, he was lying down, rubbing his head. Wow, I'm really just, I'm really just conflicting myself everywhere. Ben started philosophizing, talking about all the ways you change so quickly during those years in high school. He told me there are three phases when it comes to blowing up parties. Phase one is when you get blown up. You're an innocent, naive little freshman. Phase two, you're doing the blowing up, and it is deliciously sadistic. Phase three, you're kind of over it. And I realized that that's just like the circle of life in high school. It's like at a certain point, you reach a sort of like wise old sage status because I guess we're getting more mature now. But there is a gap between, you know, your immaturity and your maturity where well, you're still immature, but you think you aren't. So you take the authority and you say, I have the right to show up at this person's house because I'm old and I'm 16 years old and I'm going to be applying to college soon. And I grew a mustache a few days ago. What would you say now to your freshman self? I would say don't let other people decide who is going to come to your house. Or I would say don't have a party ever. Ben's got a few months left in his senior year. He's more choosy about parties these days, but he says he'll still go because he's got to do this while he still can. In the fall, he'll start college, and he's pretty sure the parties there will be more sophisticated. And by that, I mean he won't have to break and enter. He'll walk through the front door like a real grown-up. Okay, people, in a minute... We are going to find out what it's like to be the mom inside the house when the kids descend. Don't go away. We are back. And Jonathan, um, so that kid Ben from the This American Life Story... He's now a sophomore in college, if you can believe it. That's crazy. And he tells me that he no longer feels the need to bust into parties. He says college parties are actually tamer than the ones he went to in high school. I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like there's less to prove. But more to drink. (laughs) It's true. You know, when I was reporting that story, I kept thinking about the image of Ben's dad standing at the door and, and kids just pushing right past him, like like he was a human turnstile. And I wondered, like, what's it what's it like to be that parent, to, to like, not see the onslaught coming? Yeah, I, I can't imagine it. It's going to be so scary. So I invited one mom over to tell me. 
Uh, so Jennifer, it's not her real name, has a son. And a couple years ago, he was a freshman turning 15, just like our friend Ben. And he was throwing himself a birthday party. And and a friend of mine called and said, hey, are you, is it real that you're having this? And I said, yes. And he said, listen, last time my kid had one, I had to sit on the porch and kids were going past me. And I, and I, it was kind of a warning, but not, I didn't even pay attention. I was like, what? That's crazy. You know, could that happen? Yeah. So Jennifer figured the party would be big, but, but manageable. She loved her son's group of friends. They all had good grades. She, she knew their parents. A bunch of them had even shown up early and helped her to clean up the house and get ready. And besides, my husband and I were there. The party, like most teen parties, started off in the basement. Kids were coming to the door, ringing the doorbell. We were greeting kids. And um, they were all, you know, hello, nice to meet you. And they were just disappearing into the basement. Um, But it seemed normal. For a while, at least. After a bit, Jennifer heard some yelling and commotion down in the basement. Turns out there were a few kids who weren't invited. Her son and his friends booted those kids out. And they seemed to be, you know, they were very authoritative and very, it seemed in control of the situation. So I went back upstairs, but I had a weird feeling, you know? Something seemed off. She went to the door, checked outside. And it was sort of like Night of the Living Dead, like just lots of bodies in the front yard and a whole group of kids coming up from the back of the house and I said can I help you and a kid turned around and said suck my cock (laughs) no joke and I was like are you are you kidding me so I said listen this is done out you go you've got to leave Jennifer and her husband start chasing kids off the lawn but they don't go away. They just hang out in groups across the street on the sidewalk. And that kid was coming back. And I was like, what are you doing? He said, I was invited. I'm like, it's my house. She runs back to the basement. It's pitch black. She flips the lights on and she cannot believe how many kids are in her house. I I think it had to have been around 75 to 100 in the basement and more in the street. It was a lot. Jennifer's pretty sure some of the kids in there are ones she's already turned away. And she's like, wait a second, how are they getting in? That's the thing. Like, you walk them out and you're saying, you can't come in my house. And they, if you turn your back, they go around you, around you to your neighbors. They're going through the bushes. It's, it's bizarre. And I walked outside and there were kids crawling out of the basement window. And then... So they were crawling out of the basement window. Were kids also crawling into the basement window? I didn't know that things were happening on the other side of the house, but apparently, yes. Just bodies that keep coming, no matter what you do. (laughs) They just keep coming. You turn them away and then they come from behind. It It was like a zombie apocalypse. Jennifer's son eventually gets so freaked out that he and his friends shut it all down. They turn off the music and they physically escort everyone out. On the other side of the house, Jennifer catches two boys dragging away giant black trash bags full of empty bottles. But the 
the the weird thing is that after it was shut down, it was like, okay, the party's over. Every kid that walked past us said, thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Why do you call it parasiting? Because it's, it's, they're like feeding on a host, you know, they just come to the corpse <laughs> that they're feeding off of. And then they, you know, scatter once it's gone. And, and like our kid was mortified when it happened. You could see on his face, it just, it, it, he was mortified and his friends too. It felt like they were a little bit shocked. These poor, sweet little freshmen listening to Jennifer talk. I felt so bad for them. And then I remembered Ben, you know, that other kid I talked to who had transformed in just a matter of a few short years from an innocent ninth grader into a parasitic party crashing zombie himself. And a dark chilling thought crossed my mind. What do you think about the idea that your son could become that? You know, I hope that he won't. Pretty sure he will. I'm pretty sure they'll be the ones that go and do it from now on. <laughs> Maybe it's a rite of passage. Do you, Have you heard parents like who, when you're talking about it with other parents, do you sense that people are afraid that it could happen to them? I see fear in their eyes. <laughs> I do. I think that they think it won't happen to them, that it couldn't happen to them. But it could. It could. Yikes. Okay. I have a (laughs) six-year-old. Oh, it'll happen to you in middle school. Oh, man. You're totally right. (laughs) (laughs) Choose wisely. (laughs) In middle school? That's crazy. (laughs) That's like tomorrow. Do you think, do you think Sasha's the kind of kid who like, yes, 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 yes. She's going to invite kids over. She is going to, she's going to go to multiple basements. She's going to coordinate. Yes. She's going to be the instigator, isn't she? Of course she is. Yeah. It scares the hell out of me. But I I think about this sometimes and I'm like, oh, what kind of peer pressure is she going to give into? And then I'm like, oh no, she is going to be the one exerting the peer pressure. I don't know though. I mean, you heard her in the Caillou tape. She's so sweet. And it's like, and, and good. He's a regular kid and he plays with his best friend like me. I really wish you would stop watching that show, but there's a part of, of, of like hearing her talk about it that was really just like just stay that way forever, you know? Stay stay a little a little kid who likes seeing themselves reflected in a bald four year old. <laughs> so poetic. I was trying. Well, how have you liked being on the longest shortest time? It went by so quick. (laughs) So do I have to go back in the box now? (laughs) I'll stuff you back in there after I turn off the recorder. 
We want to hear about the things that are sneaking and creeping up on you as parents. Are your kids spookily like you? Are they doing things that are totally giving you the heebie-jeebies? Or maybe you're just convinced they'll stay an innocent little pumpkin forever. She's going to be instigating juice parties. They're just going to go to a basement and they're going to have juice boxes and eat some popcorn that's like as bad as they're going to get. Let's get this party started! Uh, Who are we fooling? (laughs) Share your deepest, darkest fears in the comments for this episode. That's episode 140. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, with Kristen Clark and Abigail Keel, with help from Jackie Sajiko. Our editor is Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Leighton Brown. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado, Antonia Akatunde, and Reka Murthy. Now, big news, people. We have been telling you for a while about our series on discrimination against moms at work. So, so many of you have told us that you've experienced this. It even affects big, important people like Jane Swift, the former governor of Massachusetts. Yeah, I would love finally to talk about the helicopter. Yes, Jane, you'll get your chance next week when we launch our big series. We're calling it It's a Real Mother. You guys, discrimination against working moms is not a mommy problem. It's an everybody problem, but we can do something about it. Do not miss this. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want to hear anything surprising that you have to tell us about your family. Go to LongestShortestTime.com, hit participate and submit your story. I need to report an anonymous tip. This is regarding what? This is regarding a mass suicide. On March 26, 1997, in a San Diego mansion, 39 people were found dead. The occupants, it was said, seemed to belong to some kind of cult. They called themselves Heaven's Gate. Now, Sheriff, they had a leader. Did they not marshal Applewhite? We came from distant space and... We're about to return. But the unanswered questions they left behind still linger. If I could believe that they were brainwashed, it would be easier to just blame the two. The largest mass suicide in American history is also one of the most misunderstood. I would appreciate it if this tape would be between us. Okay, bye-bye. Coming October 18th from Stitcher in collaboration with Pineapple Street Media, Heaven's Gate. Hosted by me, Glenn Washington. Subscribe now on Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. To find out how you hear episodes one week early, ad-free, go to heavensgate.show. Da, 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 da,